As John said, we're starting a new series this term at CE. It's called Long Story Short, which is really a shameless steal of this book by Glenn Scrivener. And you might say, who's Glenn Scrivener? Well, Glenn Scrivener was in this hall last year. Uh, the man with the Australian accent uh, talked about scapegoats, you may recall. And Glenn uh, wrote this book called Long Story Short. And it was written for basically everyone, Christian, non-Christian. So that is literally everyone in this room. And it is for those who try to navigate the Bible. If you get your, your Moses and your Noahs mixed up, you haven't a clue between Old and New Testament on what all the, the big numbers are, the small numbers are. What are those references? How does it all work together? How does it all fit together? And what is it all about? And at this term at sea, we're doing something a little bit different. Usually we love the bread and butter of looking at just one book of the Bible, which is glorious and it is beautiful. But this term, we're going to be looking at this book that Glenn has written, which comprises 12 phrases, though, side confess, we're only doing 11 of them. That There's 12 phrases, famous phrases that you have heard about that summarize God's good news message that is revealed to us in this book, the Bible. And the Bible might seem something very daunting to you, might seem something good to you, might seem something very old, archaic. It's that old, dusty book that maybe lies in the corner of your house, but it is a good book, and hopefully this will be a really helpful study for us. Tonight, we're thinking about in the beginning. In the beginning. I wonder, do you like your baby photos do you like your baby photos? Some of us would rather have our eyes peeled than look at a photo of us as a baby. We absolutely despise it. But actually, there's probably some of us in this room that, you know what, we're actually kind of, we like our baby photos. And we think we're quite cute babies back in the day. We don't really mind when the old family album makes an appearance on a Sunday afternoon with Granny and Granda. But then there is some of us, and when we look at our baby photo, well, we're not quite sure if we're looking at a human or not. And then there's some of us that are closer akin to the offspring of the Michelin man than to our actual father. And here's my baby photo. Well, this is my oh, entire family photo. It's in color. You'll be glad to know it wasn't black and white. Look at this absolute chungus. Look at those red cheeks. It's a technical term. I was a chungus of a baby. Not too sure about that jumper. Dear bless us, that was absolutely tragic. But then here's another one of me, which actually most of you will have seen this because this was on at the quiz. There I am, freshly baptized as an infant. You, come on, viva the Presbyterians and Anglicans. You should be all rejoicing at that. Now, now a Baptist for my sins. There I am. I don't even really know where to start with that photo. That's obviously me just dumped onto a couch and then just like, let's just take a photo of Henry um, wearing this, this wonderful robe. The fact that you are here listening to me right now depends very significantly to your beginning. Yes, you don't remember your beginning, but you didn't just appear out of nowhere. You had a beginning. I wonder if you know what time of the day you were born at. I wonder, do you know what weight you were? I'm sure most of us know where we were born. I'm sure for most of us, it was just down the road at Craigavon Area Hospital. What a wonderful feeling it must have been for your mom and your dad to hold you for the very first time. 
wonder if you've ever thought about that before. Their baby boy, their baby girl, for the very first time, laying their eyes on you and holding you. What a precious moment that would have been. Maybe it would be worth your while going home and asking dear mommy and daddy what it was like. Maybe there's photos of that wonderful occasion. Don't ask too much of the itty-bitty details of what happened before that. But for some of us, that might be a difficult thing. As maybe for some of us, you that's a hard thing to imagine. Especially for some of us who maybe we don't have uh, a dad at home. Maybe we don't have a mom at home for a multitude of reasons. That's a difficult thing to comprehend. But your beginning, how many years ago it was, was both significant and it was celebrated. Beginnings matter. Doesn't matter if we're thinking of our lives, historical events, football matches, movies. What happens at the very start is incredibly important. It will set the tone and trajectory of how things will pan out. How your life has panned out is not entirely random. For many of us, we are fascinated with how things start. In fact, we are obsessed by how things start. Hopefully, there's no absolute clinical psychopaths in this room that start a movie halfway through. Or indeed, hopefully, there is no one here that reads the last page or the last chapter of a book before reading the entire thing. Please do not do that. You may need help and counsel for that. Beginnings matter. Beginnings matter always. And tonight, I wonder, have you ever wondered how the first beginning took place? How all of this stuff around us, the Earth, planets, star, moons, galaxies, all came to be. Quite a lofty thing to be thinking about on a Saturday night. What was the beginning for the sun for our world? How did it all come about? Well, I don't need to surprise you or shock you. I'm sure most of us know there is a, a multitude, an array of answers, possible options on the table out in our world that come in a variety of shapes and sizes for you to pluck your card on and say, I'm going to trust that one. But it is super important that we think clearly about it because beginnings matter. And the beginning of the Bible, God's Word, is both incredibly famous and well-known, but often misunderstood, or better put, underappreciated. We read Genesis 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It, For many of us, it just rolls off our tongues. It doesn't really make our eyes widen because either we're overly familiar with it, or we haven't fully appreciated exactly what is being said. Two points. In the beginning, God in a sense, it is the beginning of all beginnings. The Bible does not start off small, minuscule, or with the lens zoomed in. Instead, it starts off with the wide lens in operation to give us the grandest and largest view possible. In the beginning, God. And it's so fundamental and obvious, but we really can't miss it. The Bible starts off with, with who? It starts off with, with God. It doesn't start off with, with me. Doesn't start off with you. Doesn't start with off initially with, with Adam, Eve. Doesn't start off with Uncle Buck or the grandeur of creation. But it begins with God. Uncle Buck's a great movie. Honestly, you should go and watch it after this. Not right now. Please don't do it now. Scripture very much starts 
as a means to go on. From verse 1, it is telling us plainly who the author is, but also who, who the architect is. And that becomes abundantly clear as we turn into page 2 and then go on. As we read on, the pages of the Bible tell God's story to the generations that have come and gone before us. And this is so crucial to grasp this perspective. Because as we, we look at, at this book of the Bible, no longer do we just see some random, isolated stories that sort of tell us how to live a little bit better and have no real connection. But instead, we see the glory of God. We see the God of heaven at work weaving his great plan of redemption. Page after page after page. Person after person. Family after family. Generation after generation. King after king. Nation upon nation. All telling his story. No longer dusty old book filled with bedtime Sunday school stories. We see the God of heaven and earth working out his plan to save people. We see how each story builds upon one another until the climactic moment when enter stage right the main character. The one everyone had been waiting for. In steps, the God-man. The God-man, Jesus Christ, comes as a baby as we think of Christmas, who grows, who ministers just for three years, but then dies arises, then ascends to heaven and promises a glorious return. See, all of the Bible is about God. All the Bible is pointing to his son, the goodness of Jesus. As the, as the Bible starts off with God at the beginning and the centerpiece, so my life and so your life should reflect that. God is the centerpiece he is the pinnacle of the world and of our lives. And for, the, for us, if we, if we try to navigate life by, by relegating God from his, his worthy primary position, then we actually start off on the wrong foot. And furthermore, if we, if we will inevitably misread his word. We will misread scripture. If we fail to see the Bible as God's book that centers around his beauty and majesty of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, then again, we will start to make this book all about ourselves. We'll look for ways to, to find solutions, to fix our problems. Our focus will be finding ways to increase our happiness rather than mining its riches to reveal the extreme worth of Jesus. The Bible starts the origin story with God. Does your life reflect that? Second point, God creates. But this isn't the end of the story. The Bible doesn't paint the story of God sitting in his splendor above, unmoved and inactive. That's actually the total opposite. What we have in the Bible, and it's an origin story, is the God who creates, who brings life from the void of darkness, as we read in verse 2 of Genesis 1. And I want you to notice just a number of things here. Again, Captain Obvious stuff here, but what does God create? He creates the heavens and the earth. Again, the Bible does not start off small. It starts off wide lens. It's the, the biggest, the grandest start that really we could ever really comprehend or even begin to imagine. But notice also, how does God create through some sort of scientific experiment by conjuring up enough strength and willpower? 
No, but by his very word. And verse 3, Rachel didn't read this for us, but said, And God said, Let there be light. The God who was before all speaks. And because God speaks, because who he is, light bursts forth. See, the, the big, bold claim that I am not embarrassed about, I am not ashamed about, that comes from the Bible is that there is an all-powerful God that created everything from nothing. He's not bound. He's not restricted. Nothing is impossible for him. And that's exactly what we want with our God. We don't want some sort of restricted, time-bound, sort of on a good day, he can sort of muster up enough power and strength. No, no, no. We don't want that. that. What sort of God would that be? And that's definitely not the God of the Bible. But we see this, that see that the God of the Bible is the one who displays his immense power by creating the world that you currently live in. The world, yes, broken, fragile, that, that confuses you, that annoys you, that frustrates you, but yet at the same time is amazing, wonderful, beautiful, just blows our minds. God made all of us, all of this, to showcase his glory. To point you and I, our hearts, created beings, to someone who is not created, one who is much superior than us, to a creator. Paul, in the New Testament, he says this in Romans 1. He says, For his, that is God, his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world. All of creation points to someone and it points to him. You know, we, we don't we don't look at out at the sea at Port Stewart or insert your, your favorite coastline and we just go, that's just whatever. But we don't look up to a, a mountain. We don't hold a, a newborn baby and we're not unmoved. All of creation is reminding us, it's teaching us that there's something more, but that there's someone greater that is behind all of it. But what type of God is behind all of us? Some Zeus-like figure up above, lightning bolt in hand, just waiting for you to mess up. That's not what the God of the Bible's like. That's the what the pagan Greeks believe in. But biblical Christians, we are those who believe in the God who was before creation, but that did not create alone. I wonder, did you notice that? Because actually Genesis speaks of God in plural terms. Who is hovering over the face of the earth in verse 2? The Spirit. And then, the, and the Word of God brings everything into being. God has a Word and a Spirit that everything happens in this partnership. Throughout the Bible, there's three times this phrase, in the beginning, appears. We've read it all three times. Once in Genesis and twice in John's Gospel. And what John is doing is refreshing our minds of Genesis as he begins his Gospel account. Let me read it again. John chapter 1, just the first two verses. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In the beginning wasn't a, a lonely, impersonable force up in the sky. There was the Word. The Word was a person, later called the Word became flesh, Son of God, Jesus. See, before time, God has always been in an eternal 
relationship. Father, Son, Spirit. Perfect, everlasting, unbreakable unity. The, the tri-unity we call the Trinity. Here it is. Here is the Christian origin story in a nutshell. In the beginning, there was the Father, Son, and Spirit who worked together to create a good, vast, amazing creation. And what are they doing? They are sharing the goodness to you and I. The Bible's origin story starts with God creating everything out of nothing. He instills purpose, immense purpose and dignity onto his world and onto your life. Sounds amazing. But maybe for some of us it sounds just too amazing. What do you believe is the the original in the beginning? Maybe you're going along with what I've shared. Maybe some of you are like, old hat, load of rubbish. That's what the eyed people believe in. Maybe what do your friends say? Maybe they mock, mock, they score. But what are the other options on the table? Okay, for a moment, let's just park what the Bible says is the origin story. Okay, well, where will we go? What's to start off? There has to be an origin. There has to be an original in the beginning. So what is it? Let's look at two. If we're not going to believe in the Bible's origin story. We have to believe in something. And we need an answer to that question. We can't just sort of go shrugging shoulders and be like, I don't know, I'm just going to play FIFA all day and sort of consume myself with YouTube until I die. No, we need to think about this stuff. You need an answer to what happened in the beginning. First option is nothing. Option one is to say that in the beginning was nothing. No God, no religious being, just nothing. But what is nothing? Describe nothing. Explain to me nothing. Draw nothing on a graph. How does everything come from nothing if there is nothing or specifically no one there? And if we come from nothing, that has a major impact on how you will view the world. If we're just from nothing, no creator, just nothing, and what is it all about? What's life all about? Actually, if we go down this road, which is this option, well, actually, life's pretty meaningless. Do you know what? I'm just looking at a big clump of a collection of cells. I'm not looking at human beings with dignity, purpose, potential. No. No greater purpose placed upon your life. You just start with nothing. And ultimately with this option, what we usually do is we end up making ourselves the centerpiece of the story. Life becomes all about me. Are you? Becomes all about what I want. Who cares about anyone else? Who cares? No one can tell me what to do. Can I say this? The reason that you are left speechless in many occasions in your lives, whether that's you climb sleeve down or you look out, or you just shake when you hear about another school shooting in America, 
Let me say, that doesn't come from this origin story. Doesn't come from the nothing origin story. That's actually your Christianity speaking. That's your Christianity in your head. And for some of you who might not even be Christian, you're like, how dare you say that? But it is. It is. It's the moral framework that has been passed on to you, not from nothing, but from Christianity. Where do we get these intuitions? It's a great question to ask. God has placed dignity into every single one of us. The person you cannot stand, the person that you despise, the person who has the polar opposite opinions and views to you. It's fearfully and wonderfully mailed, Nate. They have dignity, they have purpose. Second one is this. Power and laws. Maybe you're listening, you're like, well here, okay, I don't believe in that, but I'm you know, I'm scientific, I, I place my robust rational trust in protons on what is 100% verifiable. These are the universal laws that I'm going to trust. And I'm not going to argue against natural laws, I definitely believe in them. But if that is your origin story and nothing more, tell me this. Explain why your heart beats when that special someone walks in, when you're enraged when someone steals your possessions. See, the, the power and law origin story is quite frankly cold and barren. So we're, we are much, much more than, than chemicals and cells intertwined together. And can I say gently, not beating a drum here, you go down this route, yes, you will find amazing answers through natural law. You'll discover some incredible, mind-boggling truths about this world, about ourselves. But if it only stays there, your great desire for peace, identity, for contentment, for love, because we all want to be loved, it's not going to be met. Glenn Scrivener says this. Our thinking in this area will shape everything we believe about ourselves, our world, and our destiny. That is 100% true. Need I say no more? When we consider the in the beginning option offered in the Bible, what you find is one which could not start any bigger or better. The eternal Godhead creating the the heavens and the earth, creating a, a good world full of life and flourishing, inhabited by a multitude of animals and plants and so much more. And all this is to be governed, to be stewarded by the most significant part of creation, which is you and I. You're given immense dignity because you and I reflect the God that created all of this. Great purpose. And that is where you are to find the foundations for your life. We look elsewhere, the hearts will be wanty. In the Christian origin story, God welcomes you in. He says, come, come and join the family. And as we see throughout this series, and as many of us will know, that divine invitation came at a cost. See, the word, that is that the son, takes on flesh to live the life you and I could not live so that he would take the punishment that is due for us and he dies 
in our place. But the word does the impossible, the ultimate impossible. He rises from the grave. And through that, the son is victorious over sin, over death, and over the evil one. Do you want life? Do you want meaningful living? Do you want forgiveness of sins? Here it is. Here's the greatest and best in the beginning. And you're invited. Have you accepted that invitation? Don't put it off. Let's pray. I invite the the band to come up as I pray. Our God, we, we come before you. And we look to you as the one that has told us through your word that you were before it all. Father, Son, and Spirit in perfect eternal relationship coming together to make this incredible world. Father, for the times where we just fail to see that when, when life gets the better of us, when we are crippled with our worries and our anxieties. Father, help us and comfort us indeed, but help us to see the beauty and the majesty of this world that you've created. Father, help us to navigate the this massive area. As we think about how you've created the world, Father, let us not get bogged down and just the, the nitty-gritty of many debates that lie out there. And let's not ignore them at the same time. But help us to have a position towards you of faith. As we trust your word, that we see the Christian origin story, the, the original in the beginning, is so much greater and better and sweeter for us. We look to the other options. They're void of hope. They're void of love. Your fort of meaning. Help us to find our rest in your origin story. And give us the faith to do so. Help us as we think about this. Help us as we even maybe think about those outside of our our friendship circles who maybe are are, are un, unlike us in this area. 